everybody. Welcome to a brand new edition of Pick and Pod on this Friday, May 10th. I'm Dominic Capone. Glad to be joined, as always, by P. Hudek and Joey Dayon. And guys, boy, do we have a jam-packed show today. The semifinals are definitely living up to the hype. And we get to say the two greatest words in sports, Game 7. In, uh, obviously, the Raptors and Sixers and the Nuggets and Trailblazers. And we might get another Game 7 tonight as the Warriors and Rockets go back to Houston for a Game 6 with no Kevin Durant for the Warriors, might I add. I am extremely eager to get to tonight's Game 6 for Houston. I think uh, it'll tell us a lot of what we, you know, moving forward. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if we get a Game 7 or not, but just to see... What's going to be what's going to happen in terms of strategy moving forward without KD? How do the Rockets defend the Warriors? Uh, do we see the Steph of old? So all these things just coming to mind. It's a wild card game six for us because it's basically like a refresher. Hit the refresh button and start over again from scratch um, in terms of strategy. So I'm extremely eager to get to tonight's game. Yeah, Kevin Durant hurt calf sprain won't be evaluated for another week so it's going to be the old classic Golden State Warriors Draymond Clay and Stephen Curry and we'll see if you know Steph and Clay have kind of had this weird up and down playoffs we'll see if they can be the Steph and Clay of old and pull it out for Golden State we'll get into all that but first I we want to start off with the Celtics uh, Milwaukee basically had a gentleman sweep of Boston the Celtics dominated the first game but then basically Milwaukee was like yeah you guys can have that they swept the next four basically and took control they basically made Boston look defeated from the jump and they couldn't stop Giannis at all every single time he got to the cup they fouled him basically and you saw Kyrie's comments after Kyrie the entire series just didn't look obviously like Kyrie at 102 points on 104 shots uh, throughout the series and he kind of had an attitude to him as well. That's a great stat. Hundred and what did you say? Hundred four shots. Hundred four shots. hundred and two points. That's on pathetic, <laughs> honestly. So that that's awful shooting from Kyrie. Kyrie's been checked out for a long time now. It's been tough to watch him in a Celtics uniform. I think that's the last time we'll see him in a Celtics uniform. I think we're, we're going to see him in New York. Something that I heard Colin Coward talk about on his show, The Herd, which which is an excellent point, is Kyrie doesn't feel like Boston. You know what I mean? He, he feels like a glamorous type of guy, a diva, a guy who wants the spotlight. He's got his signature shoe. He's up to number five now. And he just feels like a New York type environment player. And it's funny because the comments, a lot of people obviously have comments right now surrounding Kyrie. And Grant Hill also came out and said, when you think of Boston, you think of the Havlicek's, the Russell's, right. the Burrs. They just want to be there and they want to win. They'll do anything. Yeah. And he doesn't get that from Kyrie. Those are grit type guys. Like mm -hmm. That's what you point to when you talk about the, the Boston Celtics. You talk about grit, pro all those things and Kyrie honestly hasn't really been bringing that to the Boston pride and I think that's why he moves on this summer yeah I actually saw a meme yesterday with uh that said uh, all the other Celtics players talking about how they'll come back next year better and stronger <laughs> and then it was the Magic Johnson video of him going I ain't gonna be here next year <laughs> that's uh, great <laughs> In regards to Kyrie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this has been a long time coming. The whole season has been a debacle. I mean, mm -hmm. Boston somehow was able to pull out game one after, uh, you know, Giannis basically had a terrible game and didn't score any points from the uh, two-point field goal, uh, you know, area. And, uh, of course, Paul Pierce said the series was over. Yeah, I mean, it was. It, it was over how, after that. I'm not a Paul Pierce guy, personally. I, I, I can't stand him. 
How much do you think those comments from Paul Pierce basically sparked Milwaukee? Or do you think this was going to happen? I don't think it sparked Milwaukee. I think Giannis had his own drive from the get-go this season, and he was on a mission, and he's continuing to be on that mission. And let's let's give credit where credit's due. Milwaukee was just a superior team this year, mm-hmm. and and they played like it for the last four games of the series. They they had to adjust after game one, and they did so, and and then they pummeled them. And honestly, once their star played like their star, which was Giannis, then everyone else raised their play around him. Middleton actually gave them a huge lift in game two in the in the early stages of that game to to have them build off of that. They had great confidence there. So I mean, after that. You just saw the Milwaukee Bucks, who were the number one seed, the best team in the NBA throughout the rest of the season. And, and uh, you know, you got to give credit to them. But if you're Boston, do you even want Kyrie back? Because it doesn't look like there's any chemistry. A lot of fans are already saying on Twitter and on Instagram, get rid of him. We don't want him. Right. And it's interesting because literally right after the game ended, one of the first comments out of Terry Rozier's mouth was saying that this season has been a disappointment. It wasn't about teamwork you know, coming together. P- different people wanted the limelight. They wanted to like, be a star. And that's not how you're going to win. And Brad Stevens also said he put it on himself that this was right. a terrible year for him. Because it looked like all year uh, the Celtics had like one stretch of winning like nine games in a row. But all year they were winning a couple here, then losing a couple. They couldn't really find their footing. And a lot of people projected this team to be in the top two in the East. And they ended for up being sure. four. Which, to be honest, with the teams that were in front of them, like the Sixers, the Raptors, and obviously Milwaukee, that's a tough, the tough East in the top end. And but but Boston definitely failed expectations this year, and they at least had to get to the finals after getting to the conference finals. Once LeBron left, all these years, once LeBron left, it was the Celtics right. that were coming. And now the Celtics really have to look at themselves and be like, going into next year, yeah, we can reset, do all that, but Milwaukee's going to be there, probably be the same team with Giannis, best player in the East. And couldn't make an argument that he could be the best player in the NBA sometimes yeah. he's just unstoppable and then obviously if Kawhi's uh, future is up in the air with Toronto but if he goes back Toronto's there and Philly has a bunch of young pieces too all these teams are there Boston can't just be like oh this is just another season we'll check off we'll be fine we'll be there next year like they've done every single year they just can't do that right and I think Brad Stevens for him it's it's noble to take a lot of the blame but mm-hmm. there's just there were just so many different things going on with this team throughout the season it was a really tough coaching job for a guy that we consider as one of the best coaches in the NBA so i i mean it's tough to say it was on Stevens but i mean also if i'm Terry Rozier i'm pissed because i didn't get to play in this series it's my contract <laughs> year i'm not going to make the money i was supposed to and it's tough for Terry honestly yeah i mean you don't want to obviously let Kyrie walk if you're Boston. You lose an asset. But it looks like that's going to happen because even if the Celtics did retain him, I don't know if they just want to run it back or they definitely have to make some moves. Yeah. And now if you get if you have Kyrie walk, what do you do with this team? Do you try and get rid of that awful Gordon Hayward contract? Do you move young pieces like Tatum and Brown for an Anthony Davis type? Or do you just stay with those young guys and watch them develop? I mean, obviously Jason Tatum after last year's playoffs, everyone thought he was going to be, you know, an all-NBA talent. He's definitely come back to earth this season. So I to pivot over to Milwaukee, though, I don't think we've seen the best of the Milwaukee Bucks this playoffs. Oh. They haven't had Malcolm Brogdon. And, I mean, in the first round they play Detroit, arguably the one of the worst teams <laughs> in the playoffs. Second, 
uh, you know, Boston gave him a little scare in game one. But after that, it wasn't like Milwaukee, you know, was this overpowering team that defeated Boston. Boston defeated Boston. Yeah. yeah. That's how that went down. So I think, like, Budenholzer still got some tricks in the bag. So, you know, Philly-Toronto, those are two teams beating each other up. They're, whoever has to play Milwaukee should be scared. Yeah, for sure. And I just want to bring it back to Terry Rozier for a second because you make a good point. Like, he didn't play. And last postseason, he Dominated. averaged 16 and a half per game. And against basically the Sixers when they, they beat them, first they beat Milwaukee, he averaged 17 he a game. He dominated Bledsoe. 19 against the Sixers. And then his average went down a little bit against Cleveland, but 13 and a half points per game, putting up 28 points in game six uh, against Cleveland. And you have to at least give him a look if you're Brad Stevens. And I think that goes into Brad Stevens not pushing the right buttons all season long. And I mean, it's tough because you have Kyrie there. I, I understand, but so well, like, Kyrie's not yeah, shooting but, well. But Terry Rozier could score 102 points ever, on 104 <laughs> shots. <laughs> I completely hear you. This on might have been in the worst stretch of basketball Kyrie's if played. I'm, if so, I have so Kyrie, bad. though, I'm not going away from Kyrie. Like, I have to ride him out. He's my I, I, guy. But at what point? He's my the, horse. Yeah, I understand. But at one point, do you like, okay, this just not is not working? Because I think, he's it, had like I think four until you lose the series, honestly, that 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 would be my that would be my my way to go about it. But there's different ways to do so. You know what I mean? So Milwaukee's the only team that's been obviously going into the conference finals. They'll either play the Raptors, Sixers, Game 7 on Sunday. And looking at this series, it's been a little weird because it's been close, and then Game 5 comes around, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid don't show up. The Raptors blow them out, and we're like, okay, the Raptors, even though it's going to be tough, and they usually don't play well on the road, it's going to be tough, but they could probably go into Philly, beat them, but Joel Embiid comes right back. Ben Simmons comes right back. They play well, force a game seven in Toronto. Now, if you're Toronto, are you obviously you're playing at home, you're happy, but are you you have to be nervous the way because the Sixers are a good team. For sure. I think Toronto has their backs against the wall just like Philly has their backs against the wall, and Kyle Lowry is going to have to show up here in game seven because he's averaging he's around no 12 points playoffs. per game, and it's it's not enough. So if he's not going to show up, then, you know, Siakam obviously has to play lights out. Kawhi's been fantastic. But who else is going to pick up the scoring load for them? It's got to be Danny Green making some threes. And it's got to be uh, Marcus Saul down low. But mm. for Philly, it's just the most interesting team in the NBA because of the youth that they have. Ben Simmons is the most complex player I've seen in a long time. You don't know when he's going to show up and when he's not, particularly due, due to that jumper and pace of play. And then Embiid's dealing with a lot. So this series is full of storylines, and Game 7 is exactly where it should end up. I mean, this is a series full of no-shows, right? <laughs> I mean, Ben Simmons has no-showed. Tobias Harris has no-showed. Pascal Siakam has yeah. no-showed. Yeah, Tobias Harris has Kyle no-showed. Lowry has no-showed. Gasol's no-showed, you know. Joel Embiid's had like illnesses and injuries you know it's just I would like to see a game in this series where every guy shows up for both teams and we watched amazing basketball yeah. maybe that'll be game seven but you know maybe it'll be decided by whoever no shows <laughs> it's a hundred percent right it's crazy now who do you who are you guys taking on Sunday Toronto or the Sixers you got to put money on it because looking at ESPN they they predict Toronto to win at like 76 percent yeah I'm, I've been saying Toronto all along um, so I'm just going to stick with that. But it's it's really a pace of play thing for me. If Toronto could slow the pace and play in the 90s and 
you know, low 100s, then I think they get Game 7. If if Philly speeds up the pace and Simmons gets out in the open court and Embiid's feeling a little bit better, I think why not Philly? Also, Jimmy Butler is really yeah, he's been the, the key the, to, for them. You know, when he shoots the ball well, then then they have a great chance at winning. When he doesn't, their, their, their chances drop significantly. So there's just so many things at play, but I, I would take Toronto just because they have the best player in the series and maybe in the world, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I'm going to take Toronto. I think this falls on Joel Embiid and his illnesses and his injuries and his conditioning. I mean, I think it was all cute and stuff when, you know, Joel Embiid was hurt a bunch and then he would come in that like first rookie mm-hmm. season and drop 30 points a game. <laughs> yeah, and they would like, and there would be the news reports where it's like, "Oh, Joel Embiid doesn't even practice. He just plays the game. <laughs> he like watches the He's practices so eating a cheeseburger." He hasn't practiced all playoffs either. And then he comes in and drops 30 and it's like in the playoffs, the guy can't play the whole game. Like that four overtime game where Jokic played 60 minutes, no yeah, CJ McCollum played 60. 60 minutes. Joel Embiid can't do that. The guy has no conditioning. And that's a problem. Right. If, if this is going to be your franchise guy moving forward, the guy has to be able to come in and dominate and play a whole entire playoff game if that's what need be. Right. And now, if I had to pick, I, I would say Toronto, but Philly just scares me because, like, I, I understand everything you said about Joel Embiid, but he's still basically unstoppable. If he wanted to, he could average thirty and fifteen easily and get and get that in this game seven. And Toronto, like you said, Lowry hasn't really showed up, and it's just been uh, Kawhi Leonard just leading this team for them. And I, I don't, I just don't know. How, if they can get it done, but I have to. If I had a bet on it, I would say Toronto, <laughs> just because gun they're home. Head. I know, gun to the head. I have to say Toronto. <laughs> um, just, I, I want to switch over to the Nuggets and the Trailblazers. I think this. I think this is the best series yeah. so far. I mean, obviously, a lot. There's two game sevens and game six tonight, but these two teams, I, I just can't get a read on them because they're both extremely good, extremely talented, and especially last night's game, game game six, Nuggets can obviously get to the conference finals. The Trailblazers and Damian Lillard, he puts up 32, mm-hmm. makes six threes. It seemed like all of them were from the parking lot. Mm-hmm. He was just unstoppable. Yeah. Well, that's the thing for me. Like, that's going to decide Game 7 for me. If Dame's hitting those pa- parking lot threes yeah. and he's and he's hitting his three ball, then Portland will win this series. If, if Dame decides to put them on the on his back once again, then they'll get it done in Game Seven. But if he he comes out flat like he did for the three three losses that they had in this series, and he's not able to make the three ball, that's a huge concern for Portland mm-hmm. because then it makes him much less effective. Even though he's still great and he'll get his numbers, he'll get his twenty five, but it'll come on eight of twenty two instead of you know eleven for twenty three, mm-hmm. thirty five points. So those ten points is are the difference in the game. And they're the difference in in the way Portland carries themselves, and, and you know it's just a confidence boost when you see Lillard making shots from the logo. I mean, it's it's scary, and and it's a big sign. <laughs> so last night for him to get on track and to make those threes, it's scary for Denver. And if he's making them, I think it's dim the lights, and it's Portland in seven. Dame's gonna be, Dame's been there and he's done yeah. that. So the stage isn't too big for him. So I think that that's the key to the series. I think Dame puts him on the back. They win game seven. It falls all on Dame for me. Yeah, I'm going to actually take the Nuggets in this one just because uh, if you look at their home record this year, it is insane. They're like 35 and like six. I, I might be making that up. But it, it <laughs> just is, throw numbers out there. It's, and thir- it's 34 and seven. Yeah, no, that's wow. their record at home during the regular season. And I just think 
a lot of people talk about playoff experience, and the Nuggets are a team with very little playoff experience other than maybe Paul Millsap. And to come out of that like four overtime game, be, being down two one, and then to come back and win the next Phenomenal. two games mm-hmm. shows some real poise and resilience by that team, especially winning one on the road in Portland the next game. So I think you know this is at home. The Nuggets will take care of business. I actually have Jokic in my own personal standings for centers in the league, jumping Joel Embiid. Yeah, he's not like, oh, skill he and dominance, yeah. but like the guy can like run the offense and he's there. He can play the whole sixty minutes. He doesn't look like he can play the sixty, <laughs> the 60 minutes. minutes. I wouldn't look insane. at Jokic and say that guy has the conditioning to play the sixty minutes, <laughs> but he did it, man. I, I know, like I know, the centers have basically evolved over time and. It, it, we can't even fathom Shaq bringing up the ball right. as a point guard, but Jokic does that. There's so many times I see him at the top of the key running the offense, and that's where he gets his 10 assists. He can get a triple-double, and it's so fascinating to see this guy with the ball because there's times where he could just be running down the the uh, lane, get a pass, and just tip it to someone else. His court vision is unbelievable. Yeah. That's how he picks up his assist. He can still play down low. He's dominant, and <laughs> he can basically shoot as well. He's phenomenal. He does it all. I mean, last night he was he went – the entire length of the floor, coast to coast. He went behind his back to beat a guard mm-hmm. from Portland. I don't know which one it was. And then he two-stepped in the lane, oh, floater okay. good. So, I mean, there isn't anything he can't do, and he is the engine that makes his team go. Mm-hmm. If he's not in the middle orchestrating that offense, then then they're in no man's land, and they got to, you know, recoup everything else. It all runs through him, and the guys that they have around them are, are perfect pieces. They're all shooters. They can all stretch the floor. Murray's been phenomenal. Craig's been very good. Gary Harris is a great shooter. Mm-hmm. I love what Millsap brings to his team as yes. a veteran presence. He's been so steady for them this playoffs. And I I love to shout out Malik Beasley because I, I think he, he's been phenomenal, even though he didn't have a great game six. He's been great throughout this playoffs. And it's just they can't, you know, this experience that they're getting this season is so valuable to this team moving forward because they're all 24 and under. Jamal Murray is 22 years old and he's playing on a stage with Damian Lillard and he is not backing down one bit. He is with him stride for stride. So the Denver Nuggets, this season for them has been magical. And and if they win game seven, it's just, you know, gravy, uh, you know, on top. Yeah, shout out to Mike Malone, who is probably uh, for sure. and a really underrated coach, for and probably sure. he could be up for coach of the year. He got a raw deal in Sacramento when yeah. he was he was probably Demarcus's cousin. That was probably Cousins' best yeah. season ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He he was great. I mean, and you you hate to say you know they let him go, but I mean Sacramento now they got Luke I mean, Walton. Sacramento and the Suns. They all let him go. <laughs> you guys aren't Luke Walton guys. Uh, uh, well, here's the thing about like. Luke has to be in the right situation. I think he was never going to succeed with right. LeBron yeah. in, in LA. That was a tough situation. Hopefully, you know, I I, th- I think he's a good coach. Granted, like when he did most of his winning, he had the Golden State Warriors, but I think he's a good coach. I mean, he made some questionable decisions with the Lakers, but then again, it's it's hard to coach LeBron James. Right. Um. Real quick with the Trailblazers, though, Yusuf Nurkic goes down about a month ago. It all happened again yeah. with the Trailblazers. You feel bad for Dame. Didn't let us stop him. They get Ennis Cantor basically for nothing. Obviously, the Knicks didn't work out. He's playing with like separated separated shoulder. shoulder. Yeah. And granted, he hasn't scored a lot the past three games. He put up like eighteen in game two, but he's still there getting boards, playing defense. This guy's heart yeah. is unbelievable, and I love seeing that on the Portland Trailblazers. For, for sure, that's a great point. I I honestly think that uh, I haven't missed Nurkic this playoffs, and neither have the Portland Trailblazers. Mm. Last last playoffs, Nurkic's inability to stretch the floor against the Pelicans was also 
one of the reasons that they got swept against mm-hmm. New Orleans because Anthony Davis is so versatile and he couldn't match his versatility. I think when you have Cantor on the offensive side of the ball, he's more versatile than Nurkic, and mm-hmm. he, he'll get you more buckets. And he, we even saw him make a couple of threes this series. So when you add that threat to the court, it's better than Nurkic on the offensive side of the ball. And then defensively, Jokic is Jokic anyways. So, I mean, what is Nurkic going to do to really slow down Jokic? I don't see that. Mm -hmm. So for me, it may have been a blessing in disguise. I hate to say that when someone gets injured because you you never want to see an injury and you always want to see everyone stay healthy. But Cantor stepping in, he's been phenomenal. And, And then Collins backing him up has given them great minutes also. He's a young presence. He can stretch the floor. He could play good D. He's athletic. Nurkic doesn't bring that athleticism that these two guys do. And I don't think they miss him one bit. And one other thing to note, the guards coming off the bench and Seth Curry. Rodney Hood has basically revitalized his career. He had 25 points in Game 6. And efficient, too. 8 for 12. Mm. And big shots. So let me just go through his field goal percentage real quick. In Game 2, he had 15 points on 45%. 19 points in game three on 66, or rather 75% from the field. Shot 66% from three. 75% in game four. 62% in game five. 66% in this last game six. 25 points. He's just been unbelievable. And you saw the praise he's been getting around the league, basically. And the Portland Trailblazers GM, I don't even know who he is, should be getting a ton of praise because these pickups are their fly-on-the-wall pickups, but they've been the reason why they're in Game 7 of the second round of the playoffs. Enos Cantor and Rodney Hood have been absolute gems for this team. And then you talked about Seth Curry. This guy's money from deep. I mean, you know, his brother's Steph, and it's unfortunate, but this guy can ball. He's been great. He went to Duke. He's been a journeyman, but he's found a nice home here in Portland, and, and he's money. And by the way, the GM is Neil Olshey for Neil the, O'Shea, there you go. Neil O'Shea, yeah. For great. the Trailblazers. And yeah, I just want to make one comment yeah, about how, how Rodney Hood is uh, all of a sudden this cold blooded killer. I mean, I we I do think there's very good coaches on both sides, but in that four overtime game, no one made a substitution until like like yeah. there's very little substitutions until like halfway through the fourth quarter and until that fourth overtime. I mean, of course, Rodney Hood looked good. He was the like probably the most energized yeah. guy yeah, on the, the court. Everyone up. else was dying Everyone out there. Everyone else played like fifty plus minutes, sixty minutes. He was galloping mm. like a horse. He was yeah. he was fresh when he, he came was ready into to that go. Game. And it's funny looking at these two teams is they made that trade because Nurkic and Jokic were on the same team together in Denver. Nurkic goes to Trailers. Right. Mason Plumlee goes to the Denver Nuggets. So kind of switched there with the big men. And now, obviously, the big game tonight, the Warriors, the Rockets, Game 6. These two teams have been going at it for years. The Rockets have just, like they like basically have said in the preseason, we're building this team. We're, our only focus is beating the Warriors right. in the playoffs. It's not the conference finals. It's the conference semis, but it still means the same thing. And, again, the Rockets are down in the series, and they're home. James Harden has to take over. No KD for the Warriors. This has to be James Harden night. 100%. And a lot of things scare me when you look at this game on the Houston Rockets side of the ball because these matchups between Golden State and Houston that we've been accustomed to seeing over the last two years where they've been playing each other maybe 20 times already now, they've all contained one common element, and that's Kevin Durant. So with Kevin Durant gone now, how does Houston 
change their strategy defensively. It's a huge concern for me, especially now that you got Curry running around the entire court. Curry and Clay have all the space to work with. When KD's on the court, they're confined to certain spots of the floor. Now they can just wreak havoc on everybody and run them ragged. I don't know who's going to stay with Curry and Thompson for this team. Maybe you double them and trap them and get the ball out of their hands and you make someone else beat you because the lack of depth is just brutal for Golden State. But if Curry and Clay get going, who's mm-hmm. to say that this, you know, they can't win this game tonight? It's and, crazy. And Pete made a good point earlier. Without Kevin Durant, this is basically the Warriors team that won the championship in 2015. Right. Granted, it's been a, lo- a long time since this team played together just these guys and Draymond, Clay. The key Steph, element uh, is that the depth is depleted. Yeah. That's that's really where it lies. So if they're yeah, going like to take a, advantage of that. With Durant gone, it's like a six-man team right, right. now. They're playing like Alonzo McKinney. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was Alonzo McKinney and Draymond Green. Like, even if Steph and Clay now, they do get their 35 each, do they even get 30 from the rest of the cast? That's the question that has to be answered. Can mm-hmm. they get those 30 points? Where do they come from? Can Draymond continue to do what he's been doing? He's looked fantastic. Nothing to me tells yeah. me he's going to slow down. Draymond in this playoffs is averaging 14.2 points per game, which is just gr- fantastic because he only averaged like seven in the regular season when his numbers have really dropped. And that's really not a knock on him because Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, these are the guys gonna, that, that are going to score the basketball. Draymond does the dirty work, rebounding, uh, getting block shots, stuff like that. He's also but a great facilitator. He is. Yeah. He's a great passer as well. And uh, in, this, in these playoffs averaging – Draymond's going to get back to his... Sorry, yeah. sorry to cut you no, off. No, no, no. You go. Draymond is going to be Draymond. Like, yeah. we haven't seen Draymond. Now he's going to be Draymond. He's going to be the guy coming up the court. He's going to be the guy handing off to Curry, handing off to Thompson, fake handoffs into the lane, lobs to Iggy. Mm. This is going to have to be fingerprints all over it, Draymond Green, for them to pull this series mm. out. I, I, I believe that. I think Curry and Thompson, they'll get going. But if Draymond puts his fingerprints on this, Houston's in trouble, man. Mm. I, I love Houston, but... It's a scary, scary proposition for them. I actually disagree. I think Draymond's been Draymond. I think mm-hmm. I, when Kevin Durant came, his play wasn't really affected at all. I think really? it's KD and uh, Clay and Curry who their offense was definitely affected by Durant coming to the team, and they haven't looked like you know Curry and Clay in like some of the past playoffs. They've gone away from the, them constantly moving the ball. It's been a little bit of you know KD, you're the best player in the world. Take the ball, ISO, save us. Hundred percent. You know, Golden State can't do that anymore. And, you know, we talked about – I just want to touch on how – if we're talking about what the Warriors have to do to win the season, the, what the Rockets have to do is not what they did in uh, Game 5 and have James Harden enter the game with seven minutes left and then score two points for Brutal. the rest of the game. With Kevin Durant out, James Harden that a should be the best player mm. on the court and he should impose himself – as so, and he did not do that, and he has to be better. He has to be regular season James Harden, you know, spread out the offense, let me do my thing. I can beat anyone. I'm the best offensive player in the world. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I mean, the game in game five, golden opportunity to take that game, go back up 3-2 in your home place, and, <coughs> excuse me, I, I, I think the Rockets are going to win this game. The question is game seven. Like in Golden State, it's going to be tough. I think the Rockets are going to win at home. Yeah, I think they're going to win at home as well. It's just so frustrating because 
these guys are such smart players, right? And Harden's been here before, and Paul's been here, and even D'Antoni's been here for like 10 years now, and he can't <laughs> get over the hump. Nah. So now you have this golden opportunity that you just mentioned to put away this series. This series is done. Golden State is six feet under if you win that game five. There's no way they're coming yeah. into Houston and winning game six, nor even if you do lose game six, they're not going home and winning game seven because that means they took a lot out of them to get game six. So... If you're CP and Harden and D'Antoni, three guys that never have won, and you're looking to get over the hump, how do you not take game five? These guys are supposed to be the smartest players in the NBA, and they have an opportunity to go in there and put the knife in Golden State, something that we haven't seen done and they haven't been able to do, and they blow it. And and the other thing is they're obviously 0-3 in Oakland this series. The only two wins were at home. But they've been close. The first game was a four-point loss, then a five-point loss in game two, and this past one was a five-point loss. They're right there. They're right on the cusp. But they have not been able to get the job done. Look, I, you I ha- believe they're very confident, Houston, and I think they, they think that they're going to win this I mean, series. Th- which is good but because after, s- after losing that game with no Kevin Durant, it could really deplete a team. Yeah, 100%. But like you I said, th- they have the confidence there I to think win. the problem is that people think that, and maybe even Houston thinks, that Chris Paul is the second best player on the Rockets. He's not. It's, anymore. it's, it's Eric Gordon. It's frustrating and it's yeah, tough. If you're to watching watch. the game, <laughs> Eric Gordon's been fantastic yeah, 100%. the whole series. And, and Chris Paul, I mean, we were talking about this before the show. There was a play in that uh, – in game five where Chris Paul couldn't get separation off of Kevon Looney. It's every play in, in <laughs> every game this series. He can't get – it's it's mind-blowing. Kevin, Kevon Looney looks like he started learning to run like five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's just the weirdest thing ever because, I mean, you rewind to last year's series with these two teams, and Paul was dominant until he went down. He was so dominant. He was he – was, taking over games he took over the pivotal game five before he went down and now he's not even a shell of himself he he can't even he can't even get off the ground like you mentioned so i mean i don't know what happened within these last 365 days but it, it's really alarming and if houston doesn't pull out this series because i'm you know the first guy to make excuses for excuses for harden and paul and d'antoni there's no excuse. Stephen A. Smith said it yesterday, and I think everyone's going to say it. There is zero excuse for them not to pull out this series. Tables have completely switched. They were complaining about Paul going down last year. I was the first guy to complain about that also. Now KD's out, and if you lose this series, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, there's nowhere to turn for you. You have no more excuses, and that's going to be the story. Yeah. of. Unfortunately, that's going to be the story of Chris Paul's career and if James Harden can't pull it together, his career as well. Also, I made this point when KD went down. With KD going down, it ruined the aroma around this series because if Houston 100%. wins, oh, KD, KD they didn't have KD. Went down. They didn't right. have KD. It 100%. wasn't a real series. And I hate that. I hate that narrative. But anyway, if they go to a Game 7, all three Game 7s are going to be on Sunday. And that's going to be an unbelievable day of basketball. Obviously, Raptors, Sixers, Nuggets, Trailblazers, Game 6 tonight between the Warriors and the Houston Rockets, the Celtics are all done. Milwaukee had a gentleman sweep of them. Again, all those games will be on Sunday if the Rockets can extend. Again, this was Pick About Another episode of Pick and Pot for P. Hudek and Joey Dayon. I'm Dominic Capone. We'll see you next time. Rockets in seven.